You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. You would open your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 14. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. You can follow on the screen. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, if you have ever been offended, would you raise your hand? Both hands, both feet. But if I were to ask you, have you ever offended anyone? Would you also agree with that? This morning, we're going to talk about freedom of, from offense. And this is our last message in our six-week series called Vision. And I'm excited about today's message because the truth that we're going to look at, it promises tremendous relief, grace, mercy, and freedom in our daily lives. Last week, we talked about the greatest enemy of vision, which is what? What's that word? Come on, it rhymes with vision. Division. There you go. Thank you. Nothing causes us to lose our vision faster than conflict and division. Verse 19 of Romans 14 says this. It says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And last week's message, if you were here, We also looked at the truth that the Bible says that we must do two things in the area of offenses if we're to be like Christ and not suffer from division. First, we must not give an offense to others. And then secondly, we must not take up an offense against others. So we're not an offense and we're not to be an offense or to be offended. That's the example that Jesus gave us. And we also spent some time talking about the first of those. And if you haven't seen that message, you really need to go back and watch that. This morning, we're going to look together at the second of those truths, the need to not take up an offense, okay? This not taking an offense life is really a life of freedom. All of us need to be living this Uh, as a daily habit through our days. And some of us, we've been in a trap over this one for a long time. And I'm really praying this morning that God will give you a wonderful new freedom as we look together at what God's Word has to say today. Now, I think we need to take some time and define this word offense as we get started. Because the truth is, We've got this so wrong so often, this word about taking up an offense. I include myself in that we. This is one of those messages where it's important to say we're not, what we're not talking about, okay? Not taking offense, what does it mean? Or more importantly, what doesn't it mean? Well, not taking offense, it doesn't mean that you swallow the truth. This is uh, one that we in the church have really, really been bad at 
Why did I say that? Well, we forgive, but we don't tell the truth that the other person's sin has hurt us. So there's a growing bitterness behind our big Christian smile. It's sort of a passive-aggressive approach to following Jesus, and it's tearing people and churches apart. Now hear me this morning. It is possible to both forgive and to tell the truth. So we're going to look at that later in this message. It also, it doesn't mean that you minimize the offense. We're also really good at this one. Someone commits an offense against us. Maybe it's a lie or gossip. And you say, oh, it's no big deal. Other people have gone through far worse. Many times, we even tell ourselves that it's good that this happened, that we're going to be better for it. And there's a kernel of truth in all of that, okay? But all of these are actually ways of minimizing the offense so that we end up not really dealing with the offense. It's like minimizing a pain in your chest because you don't want to be bothered by going to the doctor. Ever done that? I have and will never do that again. So it doesn't mean minimizing. It doesn't mean that you let someone keep hurting you. Now listen to that. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. What I mean by that, forgiveness is immediate. Trust has to be built over time. Forgiveness is commanded and demanded of us. Trust is something that has to be built. And I'll tell you, my greatest fear in a message about not taking offense is right here. You know why? Because some of you in here are in an abusive situation. Maybe physical, maybe verbal. Maybe emotional. And yes, you really do need to forgive that person who's hurting you. But first, you need to get to a place of safety. Can I say that again? You really do. You need to get to a place where they stop hurting you. So it's not letting someone keep hurting you. Also, one final thing it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean a disagreement or misunderstanding. You see, there's a difference between an offense against you and a disagreement. Sometimes we act like we've been offended when it's just an honest disagreement and an honest misunderstanding. I'm not talking about disagreeing on the core truths of the faith, but on the thousands of other things that we see differently. An offense is simply a sin against you. So the way someone disagrees, it could include an offense. If they lie about you, if they gossip about you, if they speak in a demeaning or unkind way about you, or it could be that you just see things differently. Maybe you just disagree. But understand this, a disagreement is not an offense. In fact, it's a strength to be able to disagree and to learn from each other. So in light of all that, what does it mean to not take an offense? Because trust me, you will be offended. You see, we live in an imperfect world. 
You know why? Because we're all imperfect people. You will be offended, but you don't have to take that offense into your heart, your heart and allow it to become a source of bitterness. And we need to admit that it's too easy to live with an offended attitude these days. Last week, I also talked about three things that are needed for an explosion. Fuel, containment, and a spark. I can't help but think about some of our car trips, vacation, when we had the kids in the car for the whole week. Anybody ever been there, done that? Contained, you know what I'm talking about? And we expected a perfect vacation without any explosions. Well, right now in America, we are pressed closer together than ever because through social media and just the media itself and the offenses, they are coming at you from every direction. Look at this. We're all going to be offended, but you don't have to live a life being offended. The Greek word for one of the words for offended in the Bible is scandalon. It came originally from the bait that is put into a tree. And honestly, it can feel good to take offense at first. You say, I deserve to be angry with them. I deserve to hate them. I deserve to take revenge on them. But it's a trap because, see, when you reach for the bait, You find yourself in a prison of bitterness and God loves you too much to let you stay and live in that prison. That's why he tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now here's the good news. This trap we're talking about, it's a trap that you can avoid. It's a prison that you can get out of. We're going to look together right now on what the Bible has to say about how do you not take an offense. These things can happen in any order depending on the circumstances. So that's why I really didn't put numbers beside them. I just kind of used bullet points. How do you not take an offense. Well, first, you ask God to reveal the hurts in your heart. You see, we're good at hiding our hurts, even from ourselves sometimes. But see, God knows the truths that are in our hearts, and you can ask Him to reveal to you where you're hurting. Psalms 139, verse 1, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. In other words, Lord, you have examined my heart And you know everything about me. Truth is, until you can see where you're hurting, you can't see where you need healing. So you ask God, God, is there something I'm holding on to? And God, is there something I'm holding on to that I haven't forgiven? Is there a bitterness in my heart that I need to deal with? You need to. See, sometimes when you're holding on to an offense, it's like the heat is on high and you're boiling all over. I mean, over, just boiling, boiling. But other times the heat's on low. 
It's kind of a slow burn. And you're slowly simmering dry. And as those hurts are revealed, remember not to minimize the offense. It came to your mind for a reason. Did you know that? It's something that you need to deal with. Second thing you do is this. It's something that you need even again. Ask God to forgive you for the ways you, that you have offended others. Now, I know what you're thinking, maybe. You're thinking, wait, wait, wait. I thought we were talking about those who have offended me. We are. And to get there, I have to admit the obvious truth that I have also offended others. So let me recommend to you Psalm 139, 23. As a prayer that you can pray... It's a prayer that I memorized many, many years ago, and I prayed it many, many times. So let's just, if you would, let's just say this with me. Let's go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is having the humility to recognize I've hurt others even as I deal with the fact that others have hurt me. You see, we are sinful, imperfect human beings. Of course, we're going to offend others. Why? Because we're selfish. We are selfish people. Because we're not always kind. As you're asking God to forgive you for the ways that you've hurt others, remember the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew six twelve. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In other words, as we have forgiven. Those are tough words. Let me ask you this question. How would you like it if God forgave you in the same way that you forgave others? Huh? How much mercy? How much grace? How much relief? How much peace would there really be? Well, the truth is, our forgiveness toward others deeply impacts how we take in God's forgiveness for us at the cross of Christ. The more unforgiven you are towards others, the more you're going to feel like God hasn't forgiven you. And the more forgiven you are toward others, the more you're going to be able to live and the security of God's forgiveness towards you. Now let's take a look at the third choice that we have to make so that we don't hold on to an offense. Forgive the one who offended you. You see, this is where the freedom comes. This is where you get out of that prison of what we call bitterness. Colossians 3.13 says it simply and clearly. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another... Forgiven each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you, so you also must forgive. You see, we need to make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends us. Because we need to remember, the Lord forgave you and so you must forgive others. This forgiveness at the center of not taking an offense, that's where it's at. 
It's at the center of what it really means to follow Jesus. We are a forgiven people, and so we are forgiving people. Now, there's so much to say here. I mean, we could do a whole seminar on this one point. But right now, I'd like to dig into this one a little bit deeper by looking at two things that forgiving an offense always means and two things that it sometimes means. First of all, forgiving of an offense, first, it means you always release it to God. Release it to God and trust it into God's hands. That's what it means to forgive. When you hold on to a hurt, it turns to hate. If you don't release your bitterness, you begin to resemble your bitterness. There are two Greek words in the New Testament for forgive. One means to offer a gift of grace, and the other means to release, to set free. So that's what you do. You release it in the God's hands. You offer that grace of gift instead of trying to hold on to it yourself. That's something you always do. But you sometimes overlook the offense. You sometimes do what the Bible tells us to do. And some, I mean, in Proverbs 19, 11, it says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. There are times when someone is unkind or selfishly rude to you, and you choose to overlook it. This is especially true in families where we hurt each other all the time because we're so close to each other and we just need to overlook it sometimes. You're putting it into God's hand. You're trusting God to speak to them about, about it. And the Bible says it's the one glory, it's, it is the one's glory to show that kind of grace towards others. I would say that generally... I have seen that we in the church were really better at this one, this sometimes, than the next sometimes. Because the next sometimes is this. You sometimes point out the offense. Asking God for a spirit of humility, you go to the other person and you point it out so that you can talk it out together. Now there's a famous verse, Matthew 18, 15. Here's what Jesus taught us. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault to the whole world. Huh? Doesn't say that, does it? Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. If not, you put it on social media. Now listen, this verse gives us one of the most important and one of the most violated principles in dealing with an offense. It, listen, if you need to point it out, it says, you go to that person who has offended you privately and point it out. Now, we tend to violate that by going to everyone but the person who offended us. Amen? So sometimes our bitterness grows and grows because our friends, you understand, our friends are on our side. They say, oh, yeah, 
You're offended. You should have been offended. In fact, here's three more reasons you should have been offended. Now, this is an easy principle to lose sight of because it's not easy to go to another person. You see, it's easy to forget this verse sometimes because sometimes we don't want to do it. But sometimes you need to point it out. So here's the question. How do you know if you should overlook it or point it out? Hey, did you know that relationships are complicated? Did you know that? There's no simple one answer, but I'll tell you this. If you can't stop thinking about the offense, you need to go to that other person. You need to go to them and work it out. I'd also say that there are times when you know the offense against you. You do. It's a sin in that person's life that's continuing to hurt you and also hurt the people around you. So out of love, you need to go and point it out. So you always release it to God. You sometimes overlook it. You sometimes point it out. And then another, you always refuse to take revenge. Thoughts of revenge are like like acid to your soul. If you let those thoughts or plots of revenge continue, they threaten to overwhelm you. They threaten to push out the good things and good relationships in your life with these thoughts. The Bible's very clear about this in Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, that's a part of what it means to put it in God's hands. You recognize that God's the judge and you're not. Revenge sets up a cycle of unforgiveness and pain. You hurt me. I take revenge and I hurt you. So you take revenge and you hurt me and it's never ending. Now maybe you're like me. You never actually take revenge, but boy, you lay awake at night thinking about what you could do. Huh? How good it would be. Well, those thoughts of revenge, they're keeping you trapped in what we call again that prison of bitterness. Remember the verse from James chapter 1, verse 20? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you start with anger, the best you can get is your purposes, and usually you get a disaster. Remember, anger, there's one letter away from danger. But when you start from a foundation of forgiveness... You're trusting God to achieve His purposes through you. That's the foundation of working for justice. Now, before we leave this point, I know that there's a question that we all have about forgiveness. Pastor Al, you have no clue how much they've hurt me. You have no clue how many times they've done this same thing to me. So how many times am I supposed to say it? Forgive them. Well, here's what Jesus said about it in Luke 17, 4. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, this isn't one of those you've got to be kidding me verses in the Bible, okay? It's one of those 
You want to look it up in every translation in the Bible, see if that's really there, okay? What does it mean to forgive seven times? Well, he's certainly not saying that on the eighth time you've got them. Man, you're doing this tally. Man, I hope he does it eight times, because if he does, I got him. We do that. I think we all know that he's saying forgiveness is without limit. In fact, in another place, Jesus talks about 70 times what? Seven. And it is without limit because you're not forgiving them only if they change. You're forgiving them so that you'll stay out of that prison of bitterness. Now, here's why this verse is so important. You may not have the experience of someone doing the same thing to you seven times in one day. But you'll almost certainly have the experience of a wrong that someone has done to you come to your mind seven times or more in one day. Amen? Amen. So you just keep forgiving and keep forgiving. Forgiveness is not a one-and-done deal for us as human beings. We have to keep reminding ourselves that we're forgiven. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that we have forgiving others. Forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus Christ his life. There are two final truths for not taking offense that will help you to forgive others. And then we'll be done. Next thing you do is this. Pray for the one who offended you. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, be honest. Lord, you don't have to kill them, but if you could just mess them up. <laughs> Come on, we've been there. I mean, I mean, even, even in football. You know, I'm an Alabama fan. You're an Ohio State fan. If I see your quarterback go down with the injury, Lord, just let it be a twisted ankle just to get him out today. Don't have to break it. We do stuff like that. Be honest. Don't be lying to me. Listen, pray for one another who offended you. You might think, well, yeah, I'll pray for them, all right. I'll pray that they'll suffer. Now, this is great. One time, David prayed against his enemy. Now, you just need to go read Psalm 109. And he actually prayed this prayer. Here's a short of it. May his days be few. May a creditor seize all that he has, and may no one extend kindness to him. Man, you're thinking, boy, I love that prayer. Love it. That's the prayer that I want to pray when I'm hurt. That's the prayer all of us want to pray when we're hurt. But Jesus taught us to pray a more life-changing prayer. Jesus taught us to pray not against them, but to have the faith to pray for them. It's a whole different way of living. Matthew 5, 44, Jesus taught us, But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Guys, we need to pray for anyone who mistreats us. And it is often when we pray for them that you will feel a true release from the bitterness and the anger that he, that's been eating you up inside. Now, one final truth that is key to living a life that's free from the bitterness of taking up an offense. Remember that God's plan for you is greater than their offense. You see, God has a greater plan. 
And when the offense happens, it can feel like it's going to control your life. Control how people are going to think about you. Control what's in the future for you. And that is a lie. Now, you may suffer unjustly because of the offense. That's not a lie. The lie is that offense is going to control your life. Look at this. God is greater than the offense. And he can take even the suffering that you go through and use it to his greater good and greater glory. Some of you remember the story of Joseph and the Old Testament. His brothers were jealous. Remember how they sold him into slavery? Now, that's what I would call an offense, selling your brothers into slavery. And he went through suffering big time. And, I mean, all of that because of their sin. But he eventually, if you remember, rose to be the second leading ruler in Egypt so that he could rescue the world from famine. And man, when his brothers came before him after many years... I'd have killed them. I mean, I've, I had five. I got four now. But, man, my brothers would have sold me into slavery. Look what he did. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And, man, he took care of them. Now, he didn't minimize the offense. He didn't say it was a really good thing that you sold me into slavery. He said you intended to harm me. It didn't minimize the offense. But at the same time, he maximized God's power. God intended it for good. Now, what they did wasn't good, but God worked for good. Just remember this. God's plan for you is greater than their offense. I want to close by looking at a couple verses about the power of the cross. You do understand that the cross is where Jesus died for our forgiveness. And without the cross, we cannot be forgiven, and we do not have the power without the cross to forgive. I don't know about you, but I'm in desperate need of God's forgiveness. And just as desperately in need of the power of the cross to forgive others, especially others who have Hurt me who have offended me. So here's the simple truth of the power of the cross. The power for your forgiveness is at the cross. 1 Peter 2, 14 says this, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, we can't do anything to get ourselves forgiven. If we could do it ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have needed to go and die on the cross, would he? So you trust him to forgive you. Then second, the power to forgive others is at the cross. Ephesians 2, 16. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So you understand this morning. That Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. And I know that many followers of Christ who know without a doubt that they can't work for their own forgiveness. And yet they're trying somehow to work up enough energy 
to forgive the offenses against them on their own. Forgiveness is not something you do. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is not something you do. Forgiveness is something that God has done that you receive from God. And then you give to others. Forgiveness doesn't start with you having a better attitude. It starts at the cross. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as Robin comes? Let's just talk to God about this. And as we pray, I want to ask you to join me in praying the prayer, everybody in here, that Jesus prayed on the cross. He looked at those who were committing the ultimate offense against him, and he prayed, Father, forgive them. So would you pray? Just go ahead and pray. Jesus, first I received the forgiveness that you died to give me on the cross. Father, I remind myself that I have received it. Or I receive it now for the first time. I need your forgiveness, Jesus. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. Then Jesus, I choose right now by faith to join you in praying that prayer that you prayed for those who are committing that offense against you. The ultimate offense as you died on the cross. I choose to pray with you right now, Jesus. Father, forgive them. Father, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time for Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart as Lord and Savior, I would love to talk to you this morning about that. In a moment, we're going to stand and have an invitation. If you'd come down and want to talk to me about that and say you prayed that prayer, that would be great. Brothers in here, you have been hurt. You have been offended. And you've been holding on maybe to that bitterness and that hurt. And today, you just need to release that. Maybe you need to go and talk to someone that you know that you have offended. Or either you know they have offended you. Whatever you need to do today, you will find all of that at the cross of Jesus. Father, today, I thank you for your word. And and Father, it is so powerful. God, I pray that all of us who are here today would understand how much you love us and how much you care for us. God, help us to pray for those who have hurt us. Lord, I would ask today that for those who are just carrying, again, that hurt and that bitterness, that God, they would release it. That, Lord, they would come maybe even today and request prayer for that or just come to the altar for whatever's going on in their life today, Lord. I pray again that they would understand that they will find it at the foot of the cross. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.